This episode of the Nintendo Gamer is brought to you by ridiculously low prices. John Martin! Gone! 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 Mr. Backbone! Another Adelaide icon! Hits the wall! Make us an offer! Shut down! Dealers by appointment only! Mr. Backbone! We're 69! Port Road, Devon, and next to Rockers! Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Yes, trying desperately to retrieve a flower capable of inducing mind-bending hallucinations in order to defeat a giant demonic turtle who has transformed himself into a living fortress this is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. I am your host, Joel J.B. Fury Beauchene, and with us this week, as always, are the DG crew, starting with the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam. His insights into gaming are deeper than the minds of Mariah, and more fun to listen to than a CD of Moria <laughs> Carey, it's Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus. Oh, JB. How are you, mate? Great to be here. Oh, doing well, doing well. Also with us, the gaming chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage. He's taking no prisoners as he milks the cheese for our collective entertainment. It's Simon Steely McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Steely. Thank you for welcoming me to the show, JB. Um, my favourite thing to do in the whole world is take cows as prisoners to milk their cheese. Um, <laughs> that's my... Well. F- uh. um, <laughs> what do you call a wheel of cheese that never calls you again? What? Brie. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> what? Uh, How do you lure a bear with cheese? Come on, bear. Come on, bear. Oh, <laughs> nice one. Uh, finally, the Nintendo Queen, Pistol, Pisty, Pete. The Pist. In her mind, she's confident she could easily beat the dog named Peanut Butter at speedrunning Gyromite. It's, of course, Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C. Mac. Thanks, Joel. What does that mean? <laughs> Were you not here last week? What? I put a lot of effort into these new segments, my wife. What, yeah. what did you say? I talked about the dog peanut butter who's speed oh, running yes, game. Sorry. No, okay. Can we go back to the game? I'm joking. No. <laughs> Lovely to be here. I listen. I That's listen. Right. This is why I got her a coupon for marriage counselling. C-Mac. <laughs> C-Mac gets the uh, <laughs> Wii U horn uh, early. Early in the uh, piece uh, this week. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, without uh, further ado, uh, I guess we should throw it over to Bloody Steely for the uh, news headline. All right. What do you know? How do you know it? Do you know much about it? Here it comes. It's the knee of the week. Ha! See it now. 
Um, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Um, Casey's going to go and take care of the baby. Um, that's <laughs> not in the news this week, but she's going to go do that. So <laughs> okay. if she's not present, that's what's happening for everyone. Okay. Well. Ass into the ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? All I want for Christmas is not to play Lord of the Rings Return to Mariah Carey because <laughs> Free Range Games Survival RPG has bombed at the polls this week with a sad 55 on Metacritic. In a week that is full of high notes, it seems Lord of the Rings just can't be the one to rule them all. With games like Spider-Man and Wonder and Mario Wonder, pardon me, taking the spotlight with scores of 90 and 92, even games like Ghost Runner 2 are reaching heights of 80. But the only game holding a candle to Insomniac and Nintendo this week is Remedy Entertainment's Alan Wake 2, coming hot and terrifying at 88. The success of Remedy's long-awaited sequel has prompted them to announce two new expansions for the game coming in 2024. Remedy said to the discerning gamer, gamer, if you're shitting yourself playing this game, we're going to aim for vomit and anal prolapse. So that's great. Um, Oh, my goodness. Putting on James! (laughs) Excellent. Should be a good time. Um, Microsoft is firming up this week because they're (laughs) celebrating a record quarter for gaming revenue. That's right. After the release of Bethesda's new Tour de Jank, Starfield, Micropenis has seen a 9% increase in revenue, (laughs) not size, uh, Mm. for the fiscal quarter ending in September. When asked what Phil Spencer would do with a $3.9 billion dollars, by us here at The Discerning Gamer, he said, well, I think what I need to do is go home, make love to my wife, and finally make the call to Doug Bowser to see if he wants to do that wife swap I suggested, just moments after he and Nintendo denied my offer to buy them out. He followed on saying, maybe I'll finally get that BJ from Bill Gates. (laughs) So... Aspire Mm. for great things, Phil. (laughs) Um, Speaking of Bethesda... Set your pit boys to April 12, 2024, and be ready to use your vats on your TV screens because Fallout will be premiering that day on Prime Video. Announced via a post on X, the team behind the show are confident they will meet this deadline despite the still ongoing SAG after strikes. We are yet to see any substantial footage of the show, but when asked about the show by us, they said... This ain't a scene, it is a goddamn arms race. This ain't a scene, it is a goddamn arms race. I'm a leading man, and the lies I weave are oh so intricate, oh so intricate, whoa, oh, 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 whoa, oh. I think I might have interviewed Fallout Boy, not not fall out the TV show. Okay. Um, I I mean, I thought I had the right people, but I guess... I guess one is a has-been band and the other one's a Bethesda IB that has seen better days. Am I right? Looking at you, Fallout mm. 76 dicks. Uh, well, anyway. uh, before you move on, Steely, uh, just on the <clears throat> Fallout TV show, uh, uh, now we have got an exclusive uh, here on the at the Descending Gamer podcast, uh, as, we, as we like to do. The penis. And, uh, you know, we, we managed to get some exclusive audio uh, of the introduction to uh, Fallout, uh, the TV show, and uh, we're, we're going to play it for our listeners now. So uh, without further ado, uh, the introduction to Fallout. 
In the criminal justice system, sexually based offenses are considered especially <laughs> heinous. In New York City, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as the Special Victims Unit. These are their stories. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> sounds awfully similar to a show that's already been on the air. But was um, uh, Fallout particularly like known for, for sexually based uh, crimes? Uh, I mean, is that oh, it's uh, just when you're fucking a ghoul with the Death Eaters claw? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, boy. Anyway, moving on. Um, Look, I don't know about you, but when I'm sitting on the couch with my kids, I'm often wondering how cool it would be to play a drink-driving courier-based sim with them. And thanks to (laughs) Nintendo, I can't fucking do that anymore. Um, The the bizarrely G-rated drinking-driving simulator Need for Spirit has been removed from the Nintendo eShop. Granted, the G rating was probably the wrong move by the ESRB ratings board, but might I remind you that you can still buy the GTA Trilogy Remastered Collection on Nintendo Switch, and in that game, we all know you can not only steal cars, solicit paid sexual favours in those cars, kill the professional sex workers from whom you did receive low polyphalatio from, then proceed to take back your money and <laughs> run over a whole bunch of innocent civilians all the while listening to the America hit horse with no name, (laughs) not to mention then becoming a national felon and single-handedly taking on an approximation of the US Army gunning down hard-working beat cops and state law enforcement with a desert eagle. Yet, drink driving is just too far. I mean, the game needed a more appropriate rating, but by the hammer of Thor has the world gone mad. Well, yes, but also the Nintendo eShop. Am I right? (laughs) Well... <clears throat> Nintendo yeah, eShop. Fuck up everything. Tell me about it. Um, and hey, ever wished you could go back to where it all began? Like, not the beginning of the universe, not something profound like the Big Bang, but to October 26th, 2017, when Fortnite first came out? Fuck yeah! Well, Epic Games is doing just that this November. Set your bird bath and sundials to November 3rd, where you'll be able to dive back in to where it all began. You'll be able to go down on Dusty Depot. Um, what are they releasing the original? Dive map? into Loot Lake. You heard me. Squeeze the juice at Tomato Town and eliminate some eight-year-olds who use a mouse and keyboard but had to hide in a bush because they were getting told off from their mama. Uh, it's all there and coming back for one week only. That's right. For those of you who care... You will be playing a match of each season from season one uh, in a a map from each season. From season one, every week as part of a time disruption event in Epic's far too popular Battle Royale game. And that is your news headlines for this week, suckers. Brilliant. Well, controller, you fucking spaz. Simon. Thank you, Steely, for uh, for those news headlines, and certainly it Pleasure. has been an interesting week in uh, in news. Um, oh. Just on the the drink driving simulator. Um, Need for spirit. Uh, do we know what spirit they were talking about particularly? Uh, are we talking 
Jim Beam, Jack Daniels. Um, uh, well, I know that they weren't talking about. Um, <laughs> oh, they weren't talking about a, a good old fashioned spray from Kevin Sheedy. Um, you know, before a big big game. I'm telling you that right now. Well, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, I know that in Grand Theft Auto, you can drink alcohol and then drive, and then the whole sort of driving experience yes. goes all really pissed on you, and every you it's really hard to <clears throat> control the car and everything. So, I mean, that's that can be a drink driving simulator uh, on its own mm. uh, without being banned, although. That isn't the sole premise of the game, uh, as seems to be the case with <laughs> Need for Spirit Drink and Drive Simulator. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the biggest issue with this one was that it had a G rating, so it's uh, open slather for uh, young kids to be able to access and download the game, whereas no doubt GTA's probably got a, uh, I don't know, MAR rating of some description, which probably means it's not quite as accessi- accessible if you've got parental controls, so... Uh, it's probably been flagged and they've probably looked at it and been like, this game's not helping anyone or doing the world any favours. We'll just remove it, blacklist it altogether. So I think the premise was, I think you had to deliver alcohol while whilst you were drunk. And I think one of the mechanics of the game was you had to keep drunk. So you'd have to basically drink the stuff that you were curing while you were hammered and it was like a delivery, I don't know, some weird loop thing. Oh, there. my it sound, God. Uh, sound like cheap thrills. But uh, anyway. it's it's interesting because there's um, I mean just thinking back through through the history of gaming, um, I can think of one game off the top of my head that I know uh, got banned most places. I think even though um, there were sort of places were, that did have like the R rating for uh, games around the world. Uh, do you guys remember hearing about a game called Postal? No. It rings a bell, but I can't. So, Postal was sort of like a bit of an isometric top-down um, game where you played uh, the role of a postal worker who had just gone psychotic uh, at the fact that he'd just um, had enough of, of his uh, postal career and comes to work uh, with an arsenal of weaponry and the idea oh, wow. of the game is to literally gun down all your workmates and then uh, basically continue out into the street and start gunning down as many innocent civilians as possible. Mm. Um, oh, okay. And uh, so that sort of led rise to the, the term going postal. Mm. And, um, yeah, thoroughly disturbing. Um, I mean, there's been a few of them over the years. I mean... <clears throat> those who are familiar with the COD franchise, I think it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It was like the third episode in the campaign. You walk through a airport and you're basically a terrorist and you just shoot people, just people in the airport, and they're all running and fleeing and you're just gunning them down. And I remember that being a, a crazy controversial thing, but it's sort of like, how does this stuff slip through the cracks? To- well, <clears throat> I mean, are there cracks there for it to slip through? I mean, mm. as Steely pointed out, um, probably one of the most extreme examples of uh, what you can do within a video game world would be Grand Theft Auto V uh, or, you know, probably other games in the Grand Theft Auto franchise. But, you know, um, the you, you're sleeping with hookers, uh, you're 
murdering people all over the place, using hard drugs, dealing drugs. Um, I mean, you name it, and it's happening in that in that game, and yet it never seems to get banned. I mean, granted, it's got an R rating, um, but there wouldn't be. I, I remember uh, Fallout Three and Fallout Four had to be altered by Bethesda when they were released in Australia because originally uh, the drugs that you could take in the game were like heroin, speed. They were like real-type real, real type drugs and then they had to rename them and, you know, make it, you know, Mentats and Buff Out and Jet and, you know, all, all these sorts of things. So, mm. um, but there was a time when in the Fallout universe uh, you were actually using real hard drugs from from sort of the real world um but that wasn't uh, wasn't acceptable apparently um yeah, well i mean there's a few like i mean i've got drug dealer simulator on pc oh my god why don't you uh, talk <coughs> us through drug dealer simulator well folks? there's not too much to say other than it's not the greatest game but it's exactly that <laughs> you're basically like a low level drug dealer and you you know you're take people's requests on the dark web and you go and meet them. And it's more of like a, more than anything, it's an inventory management simulator because you have to, you know, siphon things into the right grams and all this sort of stuff and make sure everything's packaged up nicely. And, but it's, (laughs) yeah, that's the same thing. This is marijuana and cocaine and you're selling it on the street and trying to avoid cops and not get arrested. And I mean, these games exist. I think it's probably got an R rating. It's, mm. yeah, I don't know. I think the interesting thing, and and with all of the kind of discussions around these kinds of touchy themes in video games, is I feel like people have come t- to a point where they can distinguish the fact that these games, just because you play them, doesn't mean you're going to go do it in real life. Mm. And there's still a portion of people that believe that because you play it, you're going to go do it in real life or the game is telling you to go and do it in real life. I don't, you know, there's never been a time where I've sat down and played GTA and gone, oh, I wonder what it's like to go out and shoot someone. Yeah. Like, you know, mm. because I I know that it is within a, a fantasy setting. Anything that is in, in video games, you know, whether or not it's based in some form of reality, it is in a fantasy setting in my mind. It's like... I play that game and do that because I know I'll never do that in real life. And you do it because of the context. And I think context is a big part of it as well. So if you can just appreciate the context in which you're playing this game, you know, that's fine. I mean, you don't, you don't sit here and see people criticising, you know, shows like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or um, even like shows like Dharma or anything because, you know, they're not saying, oh, well, Breaking Bad's making you uh, think that you should go out and cook meth because you're going to make a lot of money and, um, you know, and survive cancer like uh, if, until the very, very end of the show. But you know what I mean? Like I think there's just a, a lot of um, – with TV shows, people are willing to suspend their imagination and not put themselves, I guess, in the driver's seat of that situation. And then for all of a sudden it's okay, but when you're using an interactive platform, like all of a sudden it's not okay. And I just think like, especially with this game, I, th- I think I agree with what Ferg originally said. It just got the wrong rating. Like mm. otherwise, if you want to play a shitty fucking drink driving simulator, who gives a fuck shit? 
like you know like ferg said again you can in call of duty that one that i don't care about call of duty but um you can go down and gun people in an airport, gun down people in an airport. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to do it. If somebody is mentally ill enough and has access to weapons, they're going to, they've already predetermined in their mind at some point that they're going to do something like that. And it's not like something that video games is just going to turn everyone into a drink driver or stuff like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's my take on it anyway. This is the same argument that even goes back to. Uh, the time of um, the the very uh, unfortunate and very terrible uh, Columbine High School massacre where uh, once uh, the kids involved in that had gone on their rampage and, and murdered all those innocent people, uh, there were people pointing the finger at Marilyn Manson, who was very popular singer at the time, and they were saying, well, these kids are listening to Marilyn Manson music, so... He must be the reason that they've gone on this rampage and, you know, and, and all this sort of thing. And I think, you know, everyone wants to find something to blame their their behaviour yeah. on, you know. And uh, unfortunately, video games are always uh, one of these, the, these things that... And it's usually people who don't play video games that are willing to throw video games under the bus and go, oh, well, it's these nasty games that are causing people to do all these bad things. It's not poor parenting mm. or, you know, the fact that these kids are, you know, being bullied and developing really severe mental illnesses off the back of, uh, you know, the the treatment they're, they're receiving or or the the living situations that they're living in at home or any of that. They're, they're willing to just discount all of those factors and just blame it on something easy like, oh, well, he played Grand Theft Auto, so he must think it's acceptable to go out in public and gun down prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, I mean that argument's never gone away I don't think it's uh, probably going to go away in our time no I'm just looking at the screenshots for this need need for speed drink and drive simulator <clears throat> and it looks like a PS1 game and it looks very cartoony so I don't think it's trying to take itself too seriously and all the screenshots I nah. see it looks like you're driving in the middle of bloody the forest so it's not like you're going down populated areas and stuff like that and Mm. They do say at the end, Need for Spirit delivers a humorous take on a serious subject, making it clear that this game does not endorse or encourage drunk driving in real life. Enjoy the absurdity while staying safe. I think it's just a rating thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, on that, I still I still remember a similar controversy uh, surrounding the game Carmageddon 2 when mm. that uh, first came out, where... Mm. The sole premise is it's a it's a demolition derby, but you get points for dr- running over pedestrians mm. and trying to run them over in increasingly sort of um, stylish ways. Mm. You know, so uh, going over a jump and squashing them under your car, or you know, going up on two <laughs> wheels and using one wheel to decapitate them, or you know, things like that. You would get you know cunning stunt bonuses and things like that. So. Mm. Um, yeah, people really had a problem with that. Oh, like everyone's going to go out in their cars and start running everyone Get over. Get it up on two wheels. For points. <clears throat> um, but, you know, interesting one. Hmm. And uh, yeah. are we all looking forward to the Fallout TV show? Absolutely. I'm going to... Yeah, I am. In short, yes. But I'm sort of going to go in with low expectations on this one. And hopefully I'm pleasantly surprised. But we'll see. 
Well, mm. uh, yeah, that's how I'm approaching this one. Steely, I know you're not the biggest fan of uh, Bethesda uh, games in general and Bethesda as a game studio. I don't know if there's there's any uh, place in your heart for the Fallout franchise, but uh, is this one that you'd be uh, keen to watch should it be you know, on a platform that you have access to? Yeah, you know what? It is um, because I, um, some time ago when I first started playing Fallout 4, I was really intrigued by the world. I think that the 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 world and the um the way that they piece it all together, I really loved that futuristic element in an old time kind of thing and mm. the the tension that was set up at the start of that game roped me in. It was one of those beginnings that roped me into the game and I was willing to go through and smash through it and play it, but it's just not a game to sit down and play single player with you know, with Casey or, you know, her playing it and me watching because it's pretty boring to just sit there and watch. Whereas to play it and interact with it, I can understand how it would be engrossing and fun. But I also didn't appreciate the buggy aspect of that game as well. But having said that, absolutely, I think the world is is really going to thrive with a different medium for people to enjoy it. And I think it's going to be a really... Uh, well, I hope it's going to be a really good show. I can't really say I think it's going to be a good show because I haven't even seen a trail for it. I don't really know really what it's about. And um, apart from the fact that it's going to be set within that universe, but I, you know, same with Ferg, I don't have high expectations for it, but maybe that's just because I'm thinking of it um, in the same way that I'm thinking of Bethesda games. Whereas, you know, I kind of, I'm not big on those, that, uh, like you said, on that um game studio whereas i i feel like this will work well hopefully mm. Mm. we've seen like nothing have we there's a very <laughs> very small like teaser online mm. um that basically just shows um some animations of pit boy and then like a date mm. um yeah. but, but very little else that's it yeah i mean we know um, some of the people that are in it but <clears throat> mm. I don't think there's, from memory, there's any names, you know, we're not, yeah, there's no Pedro Pascal equivalents. I don't think that have been announced as main role actors or actresses or anything. So, yeah, oh, well, it's still, what did you say, Steely? April. Still got a little ways away. Yeah. Six months. A little way to go. Well, uh, um, on the topic of uh, games to be released, we've got, uh, or... It's already been released now The as of recording this uh, podcast, but Alan Wake 2 from Remedy Entertainment. Now, uh, it's set in not only the same universe as Alan Wake 1, which you'd obviously expect, but also uh, the same universe as the game Control. Now, did uh, anyone on the DG crew play Control when that came out? Didn't get Didn't play Control, no. I believe it was. I started a, playing it, and I was not interested. Okay, have you seen any of the in-game footage from Alan Wake Two? Because uh, I saw uh, some footage of it being rendered on a very high-end PC, and they were playing as the the female FBI uh, character whose name I, I don't know, um, but it was sort of a it was 
sort of the that third person over the shoulder type view and she's wearing like the FBI rain jacket with the big FBI logo on the back and like shining a torch mm. into the bushes it looked pretty like amazing like graphically um but uh, i mean it also looks extremely terrifying as well uh, so i mm. don't know if i have the uh, cojones to uh, actually download this one and uh, jump in uh, but uh, can't be any worse than resident evil and vr can it jb surely not no but yeah that was uh, equally terrifying i haven't uh, haven't gone back uh, since uh, i had my two small fingers bitten off by uh, by a zombie in that game but um, yeah it's uh, I, I don't know um, i'm with you jb i loved the first game Fantastic! I thought it was a really interesting, really interesting story and a very interesting way to deliver story and just a very interesting sort of combat kind of arrangement to it. Um, focus on you know, you know, like a lot of games have done over the years. I think of like Minecraft and Dying Light. It's like the light is good, the dark is bad, mm. so you're forever running from lights underneath street poles and all this sort of stuff for safety. Yeah. That game was fantastic. I look at this game, it looks incredible, but it looks like it's on another level as far as the horror and the scary aspect, and I'm with you. I don't think I've got the kahunas at this point to uh, jump in and give it a go, but it's getting fantastic reviews. Um, I mean, GameSpot gave it a 10. I think Steely said, I think it's sitting at an 89 or something on Metacritic. Um, So, Mm. yeah, sounds like it's a fantastic game. A lot of people are enjoying it, but the only thing that puts me off is, yeah, don't leave skid pants and my skid marks in my jocks. <laughs> yeah, well, fair it's enough. extra washing. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we've we've made the determination that no one in the DG crew is probably going to play <laughs> Alan Wake Two for uh, fear of uh, soiling their uh, underpants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess it does now beg the question: uh, Are there any games coming out? Uh, sort of in the last couple of months of this year um, that we are looking forward to. Uh, I mean, uh, Ferg, is there anything on the wish list that you're hoping to pick up? Anything that's got you really uh, frothing at the lips? Frothing at the tip, as you'd say, JB. Not in the next two months, not in um, November and December. I think it's been an unbelievable year for gaming and it seems like Especially in the last month, there's been a lot of games that are really, really good games and highly anticipated games out. Looking at the calendar, I don't think there's anything in November or December I'm interested at all, if I'm being honest. Um, So to answer your question, no, I think the next two months will probably, well, for me anyway, is probably knocking off Starfield and then probably going back and playing some games that I'd didn't get around to finishing in 2023, so I'll probably go back and put some more hours into Diablo 4. I've got... I might bring myself to trying to finish off Pokemon Violet, which I got probably three quarters of the way through. If I can stomach going back and finishing that just to say that I've done it, I might do that. Um, What other games? I think I mentioned last week, Battlefield 2042, similar to Cyberpunk. 2077, two games that have been out for multiple years now. I think Battlefield's nearly three years old, I think, coming up. Um, And, Mm. you know, after three years, they've finally got it into a bit of a respectable place and it's seeing a bit of a resurgence. So I might jump back in and spend some hours there. And outside of that, I got Gotham Knights for free. I don't know if I ever told you that story. 
I had a uh, $10 EB Games voucher, and around my birthday, they had it on sale for like $7. So I got a free Gotham Knights game. Always wanted to just go and play and just see if it was as bad as everyone sort of said. And maybe, just maybe, just because of the critically acclaim it's getting, I might jump in. Maybe I'll pick up Baldur's Gate 3 just so I can play that this year and it can jump into my, potentially jump into my game of the year conversation at the end of the year. But um, no new releases in November and December for me. What about you, C-Mac and Steely? Anything on the calendar yet to come you're looking forward to? There's three things that I got my eye on. Three. Right. So there's Super Mario RPG, Mm -hmm. which I never played Super Mario RPG. So I'm really, really pumped to play the, obviously, the remake of it. I'm really excited for that. Helldivers 2 is also coming out, which um, it's going to be a bit bizarre because I've gone and cancelled PlayStation Plus. So to play Helldivers 2, which is predominantly. online multiplayer kind of experience is going to be a bit awkward. But I really am looking forward to that. So it might prompt me to take back up just like the very base PS Plus Essentials tier to play that. Um, But really keen for that. And then obviously there's the Plucky Squire, which we still don't know when that's Mm -hmm. going to come out this year. It has been a part of the, you know, the delayed um, sort of bin, that that delayed direct that was done a little while back. So... um, they're the three ones that I'm really looking forward to this year. Um, the Plucky Squire, I think, is just going to be extremely fantastic. Um, but, yeah, really, really happy that there's been plenty of Mario this year. And um, then I'm I'm just really excited for next year. I've been I've been absolutely just 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 licking up all of these disgusting, yucky rumors that are on YouTube about the Nintendo Switch Two. And I'm just frothing at the cock for this. Because, like, <laughs> honest to God, I am just so fucking ready for Nintendo to to do something better in this market. And every sort of, you know, little morsel of leak and rumour that's coming out is pointing at it to being an amazing console. And so... I'm just excited for what there is in 2024 gaming-wise. I think it's going to be absolutely fucking wild. And um, But having said that, uh, yeah, Mario RPG, to answer mm. your question, um, Plucky Squire and Helldivers too. Nice. So I'm just, uh, I'm just having a look through um, the list, particularly for PlayStation. So we've got uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 uh, coming... Um, Oh, soon, I'm not sure what... I think it's November, I think it's next month. Yeah, <clears throat> so that'll be next month. We've oh, got uh, Robocop Rogue City. Now, we did speak about this on the podcast, a new Robocop game where obviously you take on the role of Alex Murphy, uh, the, the Robocop himself, who is being voiced by uh, the original actor, uh, which which is a real coup for the game, so... Um, that one, that one could could bring the fans in. Mm. Uh, also, from Ubisoft, we have Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora, uh, otherwise known as uh, Far Cry Avatar. Yeah, uh, where you'll be uh, uh, simply uh, flying around on uh, alien creatures, going from base to base, and then 
systematically picking off uh, humans with your your bow and arrow mm-hmm. um, until you uh, sort of eliminate all the bases around Pandora Island or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously Helldivers Two, which is uh, another another big one that uh, Steely you've already mentioned. Um, I mean, there's there's some other bits and pieces uh, coming, but there's nothing really super meaty left for for the rest of the the year this year. I think we've mm. we've virtually had had our fill of mm. all the big hits that were coming our way. They haven't really left much uh, to come for the holiday season, which is uh, interesting. So we'll be sort of keeping an eye on that to to think well what what have they got left in the bag what are they going to do to bring the crowds in for christmas mm, i mean december in particular looks very very quiet so it'd be interesting i mean we've only got two months left in the year whether or not there's still time for the plucky squires of the world to drop a release date and get it out this year i don't know potentially My- is there do you got some confidence steely that we might see that this year or I don't know. You, I, look, I'd like to see it this year, but I'm also not fussed if I don't. If they're going to do what I, I wish more companies would do and delay their fucking games and bring them out when they're done, um, I'd love for this to be, you know, something that I pine over and that I'm really excited for and that I love to play. I'd rather that than go, oh, this could have had another year to bake. You know, mm-hmm. e- even if it took another year, it wouldn't bother me. Um, I think that there's... There's been enough that's come out from Nintendo alone this year that has kept me just absolutely, you know, frothing that it doesn't bother me if that comes out this year or not. Um, Having said that, I'm thinking of at some point playing Spider-Man 2, but Mm. I ain't going to pay for that shit. I'm borrowing it from Casey's brother. So... um, that's what we'll end up doing, I think, and maybe just giving Spider-Man 2 a whirl because it's getting some fucking heat. It um, sure so- is. Raw! Fuck! <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, I'd, I'd love to give that game a try. I didn't hate Spider-Man 1, but I think what I didn't like about it was that it's open world and the tasks in the open world were not my cup of tea. So I think if I don't go doing what I do with a lot of these games and trying to do all the side missions and stuff and just stick to the story a bit more, I'm probably going to have a really good time with it. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm very excited to maybe still pick up Spider-Man and give that a play. And I'd love to play Baldur's Gate, but that's just not physical and too expensive mm. for me to buy digitally. I just can't bring myself to buy a game of that much money if I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it and I can't take it back if I don't. It's, uh, you know, I I think on the Spider-Man 2 point, um, I've been hearing an awful lot of uh, talk about Spider-Man 2 and and how good it is and um, all the effort that's gone into fleshing out the new story that obviously involves Peter Parker and Miles Morales and mm. and uh, and the Venom symbiote and and all of that and you know it, it's really sounding like quite a quite a step up from Spider Man One or Miles Morales like either of those games on their own and there's certain elements to this game that really have got me quite intrigued like I I'm, I seriously 
considering uh, dropping the the full full tote odds to to buy it uh, to check it out because uh, I've seen a few uh, bits of footage of in game sort of events mm. and like you know how in the Spider Man games you'll have like something that'll happen and it'll set off a series of things where it's like oh now push X. And then you push X, and he'll he'll you know web sling a train or whatever, the and then it's like oh stuff. now now you know mm. yeah, oh, hit the left and right thumbsticks, and and then he like pulls back on the train or whatever, and so there's a lot of those sorts of yeah what do you sort of say quick quick time, quick time, time events, events yeah. in the game that look really really compelling and look really sort of intense as well, um, mm. like super high stakes and everything, and. Um, there's also quite a, a number of epic style villains that have been put into the into the game as well to to really sort of you know drag you in almost like when you had to fight Rhino in um, Miles Morales and and he's just rampaging through the city just smashing through buildings and you're madly chasing him just trying mm. to catch up with him and and slow him down so it it looks really good and and I'm saying that even though much like yourself I did get pretty bored with Miles Morales after a while and after opting to do a number of the side quests where oh fuck me there was one that was just like you had to like web swing around the town and find these places where uh, his uncle had recorded sound effects Uh, and it was like it was just the most ass-tearingly painful experience <laughs> where you'd be sitting there and, and you had to re- record things like the subway train going over a certain bridge and it would sort of rattle with a certain rhythm to it. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I've used that rhythm in like one of my hip-hop songs and that. And you're like, who gives a fuck? Like, honestly, <laughs> like, I'm not interested in, you know, where the... Because what's his name, the Prowler? Where the Prowler has gone to record, you know, uh, a- aspects of his hip hop tracks. It's, it's just <laughs> the dumbest fucking thing. And then it's like there was another quest where you had to swing around and find all these backpacks that Miles had stashed around the place. And you you open the backpack up and you're thinking to yourself, oh, you know, there's going to be something really cool in here, some new uh, like weapon for his suit or something. And he opens the backpack and he pulls out like a, a black and white photo of him and one of his friends. And you look and it's like, really? That's that's all it is here? Like, it's just a fucking waste of time. It's just for people that just want to hunt down the platinum trophy for the game. Mm, and yeah. like you say, it's just purely filler for those people so that they've got, you know, 100 hours of content to fill mm. uh, rather than just golden pathing the game and just mm. finishing it and going yep right mm. it's all done so yeah mm. i think that's where insomniac have always struggled with these uh spider-man games is that they've just never quite created really compelling side quests it's not mm. like a red dead redemption or mm. you know something of that nature where the side quests uh as good as uh, the main quest, yeah. For, yeah, in many ways, and and continuously interesting with 
you know weird things going on like you know some hillbilly wanting to buggy you in the woods or mm. you know someone's about to you know drive a horse and cart off a cliff and you've got to help stop it and all that like mm. there's always sort of interesting stuff going on in in that world so mm, absolutely now jb just before we quickly move on um i'm still ripping through starfield i told you i was going to try to platinum it um i wanted to pick your brain because i'm a uh I love just stalking the uh, Steam pages of my my friends and seeing what they're playing and how many hours they've spent in things. And sure, I've noticed uh, you bought Starfield day one, like I did. Yep, you even went out and had to buy a bigger SSD drive after the uh, what was it? it? Was one hundred and twenty? It was a massive. Oh, I bought I, it. Like, I, I just doubled it. Like it was a five hundred. Yeah. 500 gig drive and I've doubled it to a terabyte. Yeah, the the disk space you needed for Starfield was like 150 gigs or something. So anyway, you've gone out and you've done these things and as of the 12th of September, after the game came out on the 6th, you've clocked 9.2 hours, JB, and I've always looked at it and been like, I wonder am I, are you going to get back to Starfield this year, JB, or did it, it just miss the mark for you? It's, it's interesting because um, the only... PC that I'm able to play it on is a PC that I share with my beautiful wife and uh, usually if I'm not using the laptop for playing games she's using it for more legitimate things like uh, you know work and study and you know stuff like that so uh, yeah I I am conscious of the fact that I haven't gone back to it but there has been a really delectable smorgasbord of other things served mm. up, and uh, you know, I, I'm I've got no doubt I will go back and play Starfield um, at some point and get a bit further through it. But um, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, it really didn't capture my imagination the way that I hoped it would, mm. and um, so I think it's one of these things where. I'll, I'll let it simmer for a while and I'll go back to it at some point and I'll enjoy it. I know I will, but, um, but yeah, it just it didn't capture me the same way that Fallout 4 did mm. right off the bat, you know, mm. and similar with Fallout 76. Um, I mean, I got into it and I'm, I've been a long-time fan of the Fallout universe, but that game just did not resonate. It just, just mm. something about it just didn't feel like a genuine fallout experience to me. Mm. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, it's... I'm not saying that I don't like the game, but it's, uh, yeah, my opinion towards it's a bit colder than perhaps what yours is. Um, mm. And maybe it's just that I've got to discover some of the more interesting people and missions and things, but... Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, we've hashed this out. My, my, my discerning gamer score is... It'll stay at 8.5, but I absolutely understand why it hasn't resonated with everyone. And there's something about it, and there's probably it's probably a culmination of a, a list as long as my arm, why the game doesn't hit quite as well as maybe one of the Fallout games was, or definitely like Skyrim does. There's just something, it just, it, and I agree, it, I don't get the same feeling from this game like I did from a Fallout 3 or a Fallout 4 or a... Um, or a you know a Skyrim or an Oblivion or something like that. It's just the recipe that they've got, but it's still an enjoy- enjoying experience. But yeah, no, I under- I understand and I agree with that. But um, yeah, still having 
fun with it to the point with, like I said, I'll platinum it. But I think once I do that, I don't feel like it'll be a game that I want to go back to mm. ever again. Like I have with Skyrim and all the Fallout games. I've played all of them multiple times. This one, I reckon I'll milk it to death. I've played 100 hours already. Maybe by the time I platinum, it'll be another 20, 30. I've pretty much played all of the, the main quests. Um, and then I'll probably sit it down and probably won't ever go back to it, if I'm being honest. Um, Thing is, like, for, for any of these big open-world games, there has to be a motivating factor that makes you really want to follow the main path. Like, mm. Fallout 4 did this perfectly. So, you're frozen, uh, you wake up just in time to see an unknown assailant shoot your wife dead and take your infant child and kidnap them. And then you wake up and you're like, I have to find out what happened to my son. I have to find, you know, the person who murdered my wife. And that becomes the the motivating factor behind the mm. main quest. And that three was the same. Like, where's my dad gone? You know, he's left me in the vault. And then you're out and be like, well, where's he gone? And you're sort of following his, you're, you're following his trail and that's sort of the uh, the bait that keeps you going and keeps you hooked in in you know following the main storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I said in my initial my initial review that it doesn't have a strong starting to the game, mm. and you don't get a real good compelling reason to want to do exactly that. Um, you know, Skyrim's unbelievable. You you wake up, you're in the cart, you're going off to get your head lopped off, and next thing, dragons, and you're just like, whoa. Yeah, and then you obviously realise that you're the dragonborn and Fustira. have, have the, uh, the the dragon shout ability and, and all the rest of it. And you're consistently unlocking new elements to that ability and, and, and everything. So, again, all of these games did amazing. The premise for Starfield is oh, in the first mission I found like a piece of an ancient alien artefact and they want me to go out and find the remaining pieces. Mm. And to be honest with you, they just haven't done enough to make me care about finding the rest of this artifact. Like, I, I really couldn't give two shits. I, I don't mind a lot of the characters in the game. Like, I think some of them are pretty pretty compelling and, you know, all the rest of it. But they just really haven't... They've dropped the ball on this main quest, mm. honestly. Uh, which probably makes Steely feel good about the fact that he hasn't shelled out the money for <laughs> Starfield, I'd imagine. Yeah. What the fuck? Sorry. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so I went to put a dummy in a baby's mouth and I came back and I just heard my name and my wife was staring at me like, say something. <laughs> I thought you were I'm just saying, like, money for it. I'm sure you're glad that you haven't shelled out the money for Starfield given, you know, the uh, criticisms that we've all had about it. Oh, oh yeah. fuck both. But, you know, like, um, it's it's because, again, um, of, the, of the studio and the, the, the personality that has been behind this game, it has made me just not want it's, to... It's like, you know, it's like I go to a restaurant, right? The guy makes really, like, decent burgers... But he's a fucking wanker. And, you know, he, he just thinks so highly of himself to the point of he's like, well, I could just throw the fucking lettuce on. He gives a shit. Everyone will eat him anyway. 
Like, he doesn't place it on nicely. He doesn't wrap it up nicely. He just throws this fucking burger at you. Like, eat it, enjoy it, because, like, I've got a big name. Like the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Never going to... Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Never going to go back there again. Because, so, uh, in my no mind... To you. Are yeah. we suggesting that I, Todd Howard is the soup Nazi of gaming? <laughs> is that... Uh... Yes, he's a fucking wanker. Like, at the end of the day, <laughs> wow. if you're going to bring... No, but... This, this Emotional damage! I'm more than happy to go and play games and invest my time because, you know, time is scarce to play games nowadays. We have three kids. I'm not going to sit down and invest my time in a game that I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's all right. I already do that enough with the Sonic franchise, and I do it because it's a labor of love um, because I love Sonic, and I will always love Sonic. But I don't have any kind of attachment to Bethesda games at all. Um, like I said, Fallout 4, when I first started playing, that grabbed me. And I was like, oh, I'd love to play this game. But then just I think it just got too convoluted for me to keep going as well. And like I said, it's a boring game for Casey to have to sit there and watch. And so um, just no way. I'm, I, I'm glad I didn't pay the fucking money for this because I don't want to support a company that is going to basically gloat about the fact that they are bringing out second-rate titles. Well, mm. you know, like, this is a big AAA game, but who gives a fuck if it's a little bit broken? You know, like, just don't have a care for that. I'd further, I'd much rather give my money to CD Projekt Red, who have gone and rectified this pro- the problem that they created and openly and outwardly have made every single possible change they could to bring out the experience that people wanted and expected of them when Cyberpunk 2077 released. And I have a lot of respect for that. I don't agree with it still, but, um, yeah, just not willing to support game companies that have their fucking head up their ass at the end of the day. Mm. Fair enough. All right, well, on that note, let's jump into this week's novelty segment. Powdering up the hands. Pauline Hanson. Mm, <laughs> controversial. Mm. And this week we thought we'd ask the question to all of the DG crew what are your favourite? cheats of all time and it's uh it's an interesting one because uh game cheats used to be much more of a big deal than they are these days i think um Mm. but uh yeah i mean we can we can cast the net all the way back to the beginning of time there's always been game cheats there's always been ways to uh game the system uh so to speak um, so to kick things off, uh, let's go with Fergus Fergamon Hamilton for your favourite game sheet. Thanks, JB. I, I got a few. They all just sort of sprung to my mind, so I'll race through them quickly. I'm going to start back in the 90s. Um, the original Pokemon game, Pokemon Blue and Pokemon Red. I don't know if we're all familiar with this one, but the Unlimited Rare Candies sheet, which uh, had you... You basically had to put, and it worked with, I think, everything, but you'd primarily use it with your rare candies or your master ball. And it started by you'd put it in the sixth position in your item bag, and then you'd go across, I can't remember what town, but you'd talk to the bold man. I think it was in the tutorial town, and he'd basically ask, oh, are you in a hurry? 
and you'd say no, and then he'd give you the tutorial to catch a Pokemon. After that, you'd fly across to, I think, Cinnabar Island, and on the very western coast, you'd get a Pokemon with Surf, and you'd go up and down until you came across what was dubbed the Virus Pokemon. Um, and it was this weird, like, glitchy graphic, and it had, like, a question oh, mark. Oh, missing no. Yeah, missing <laughs> yeah, missing number. And then after you saw that, you'd go back to your inventory, and you'd have, I think it was 99 rare candy. Oh, and beautiful. You, then you could just, you know, drop it on all your uh, Pokemon to level them up. So, that was a classic. You used to always do that back in the day when you're trying to uh, finish out your Pokedex by leveling all your Pokemon up. Um, the next one that came to mind was an absolute classic. I remember playing this all the time on PC, which is Grand Theft Auto 3. And they had a couple of cheats which I really liked. Um, I can't remember exactly what they were, but there was one cheat that basically armed everyone in the street. So, you type the cheat in and all of a sudden, all the pedestrians walking down the down the street would have weapons. Then you'd, you'd follow up by using a cheat which was called, um, I think it was called It's Going All Going Mad or something. And then all the pedestrians used to fight with each other and you could sit back and watch. And that was just hilarious because you'd see like a grandma with like a bat just absolutely clubbing a cop to death. And then the next person would have a rocket launcher and everyone's just shooting each other. And then the icing on the cake was there's another cheat where I think it was called Everyone Hates Me. And so then everyone would be ganging up on you and it would just be this crazy frenzy of everyone in all of Liberty City, armed to the nine, just shooting at each other. So that was a good way to just mix things up every hour and then on an absolute mm. classic GDA 3. Nice. Um, and the last one I wanted to raise was the uh, Age of Empires 2, probably the one that I use probably the most. And you get to the point in the game where... Instead of throwing in the towel or restarting a match when you're about to get defeated, you just type in uh, Cobra Car. Get the, uh, the blue is like the Shelby Mustang with the white stripe. And it was like this car and you could just go and wreck everyone. So instead of conceding defeat, you just whip out your uh, Cobra Car and just go and blow everyone up. <laughs> beautiful. So there's uh, a few from nice. yeah, back in the 90s, early 2000s, which are uh, really good. Nice one. Thanks, Phil. Uh, C-Mac. Yes. What is your favourite cheat or cheats as the case well, may be? Yes. What came to mind for me was uh, I've got two. Um, the classic Sims cheat. Um, Rosebud, um which would give you a thousand sim sim. Oh, I can never say it. simoleons. Simoleons. That's the one. A thousand so the, sim monies. The in-game um, currency the, for the sims. In-game currency. And um, the one I used to use, which was even more money, was Mother Load, which was 50,000. So um, wow. pretty much. Some might say it's even the Mother Load. It was, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So you could just pretty much make a sick house at the beginning. You're laughing so hard at yourself for no reason. <laughs> Kind so, of, yeah, kind yeah, of doesn't that- give you anywhere to go with the game, though, because the whole know, point of the game is to sort of level your character up and buy progressively better shit. But, yeah, but, but that's it- the thing, Joe. I didn't want just a shit microwave. I wanted, like, the full-on <laughs> yeah. amazing state-of-the-art microwave. Not much has changed. <laughs> Fair enough. Well. And my, um, my second... <laughs> <laughs> And the second one that um, I still use to this day when I do get to play this game is in Wario Stadium in 
Mario Kart 64. So um, do you know the bit in Mario Stadium? I think it's towards the beginning of the level. You just have to <laughs> approach the wall at a very specific angle and jump, and it pretty much jumps you almost back to the beginning of the level again. Wow. Um, off the track. Nice. Um, I'm so good at doing this to the point that <laughs> Simon hates that level. He does not want to play it with me because he <laughs> sucks at it. So does my dad because my dad loves playing Mario Kart 64 and he can't do it either. Wow. My brother can't really do it, but for some reason I'm so good at it. And I finished the level in about, what, 30 seconds? That's what bucks me because Rick used to do this to me when we were kids Did he? as well. Yeah, because he was really fucking good at doing that cheat. And did my fucking head. Do you know what cheat, though, I could not do in Mario Kart was the Rainbow Road one where you had to mm. jump off the edge of the, um, off the edge of the, a similar one where you jump off the edge of the road and you land on another piece of the road, which is towards the end of the track, which is, you know, it's a 10 minute level. Mm. So it's a, it's a big, right. big cheat. So yeah, that, they're my two, my two cheats that I come, that come to mind. Classic. Well, the old Motherload, uh, Sims cheat. That was what a controller. V, control C, control V was invented for. You just copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, and then in thirty seconds you <laughs> had fifty million dollars, and then you had a ten-story house with all the mod cons. Fancy fridge, mm. yeah, Good fridge, beautiful, <laughs> world's biggest pool, state-of-the-art carpet. Oh yeah, tiles. Mm. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Love the tiles. Ass into the ass. <laughs> Steely, what's your favourite cheat oh. of all time? Well, look, I just want to have some honourable mentions in there. The the moon gravity cheat in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, fucking... Oh, it just meant that you could, like, float and go a bit <laughs> higher. That was pretty dope. Um, I also, like, just because of the absurdity of the cheat, the fucking DK mode in GoldenEye 007, mm. like... I fucking love that. Just watching these fucking idiots with, the, with these low poly <laughs> Pierce Brosnan walking around with a giant fucking head. <laughs> love it. Um, but look, there's one there's one particular game and a set of cheats that you can use within that game that holds a very special place in my heart. Um, it's because we spent hours upon hours upon hours upon hours constantly. Uh, using these cheats and even playing the game upside down in the living room in Millicent, um, it was with none other than Fergus Fergamon Hamilton mm. that we would play uh, GTA San Andreas, the two-player mode, constantly mm. um, enacting all the cheats and trying as hard as we could to just fend off the law. Mm. Um, There's just something so... I found anyway. Ferg maybe doesn't. No, it was fantastic. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he he remembered good fond memories of that too. But no, um, I just found that there was just something so fun about just seeing how fucked you could make it mm. and <laughs> seeing how far you could take it. Yeah. But with all of those cheats running, so you didn't have to worry about ammunition. You didn't have to worry about what guns you had because you had all the guns. You had all the ammo. You had, you know, super strength on, so you could even punch people and they'd go flying into car- or punch cars and they'd go flying. It's hilarious. And super jump on and, and all that kind of stuff. And just, you kind of felt like a real, like, asshole superhero. This is mm. well before the boys. Mm. And so I, 
like we just had a lot of fun, just countless hours where we would go, oh, you want to play a bit of GTA? And, mm. and we'd just do fucking dumb stuff all mm. the time. And um, and then one time we got so bored, we played Upside Down. And because um, I think we'd done it enough times, we just, <laughs> and then we filmed it. Um, but always, wow. for, always for the memories that I had with for gaming, um, some of my, uh, fondest memories of mm. playing a, a GTA game was San Andreas with Ferg in the living room, um, the lounge room at Millicent, and um, just what a fucking title! And um, some those those cheats just liberated the experience. Absolutely, it's like taking your pants off in the snow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fucking uh, cold. <laughs> I'm with you there 100% silly. That was so much fun. And we there used to be a strategy to it as well. So you'd sort of run the gauntlet as it progressively would, you know, more stars, in would roll the choppers, in would roll the tanks, in would roll the SWAT, and then you'd die and you'd be like, all right, <laughs> is there a more strategic place that we could start? So then you'd go on the biggest building and be like, well, this is a good vantage point for the choppers and we're not going to get... And so there'd be a real strategy around, you know, trying to start this riot in a particular spot in order to last the longest amount of time yeah. and it was just and it just get more chaotic and i always just remember like the ai in some of these games was just ridiculous like car like police cars are just barrel just becoming barreling in from every direction they don't sort of <laughs> pull up in a logical spot they'd all be smashing into each other and it was just crazy but yeah great fun always good fun with those um grand theft auto games to yeah get all the weapons, get unlimited ammo, and then just bring on the onslaught of the uh, law. Mm. I fought the law and the uh, the law won many times. <laughs> Great reference. Well, the uh, the one that I want to talk about, it's it's more than just a single cheat for a single game. It, uh, it was actually a special cartridge that was made initially for the original Nintendo Entertainment System. And I am, of course, talking about the Game Genie. So, uh, for those of you youngsters who were never around (laughs) during the original Nintendo era, uh, basically, what, what you got, it was a cartridge that slotted into the Nintendo. You would push it down and then... You wouldn't shut the little lid at the top. It would have like a an extra spot showing that you could piggyback another cartridge onto. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you would get a game. Let's say it was the original Mario Brothers. You'd piggyback that onto the Game Genie. And then when you would boot the Nintendo up, initially, uh, it would present the player with a menu to enter a series of characters referred to as a code, uh, which actually referenced addresses in the ROM of the cartridge directly and each code uh, contained an integer value that was read by the Nintendo system in place of the data actually present on the cartridge. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the Game Genie cartridge came with this quite thick sort of book uh, full of codes and you had to basically go through the index, look up the game that you Mm -hmm. wanted to, to cheat at and it would have, you know, type in this code for infinite lives, type in this code for infinite ammo, mm. you know, and it would have all these different codes that were relevant to that game 
that basically the game genie just overwrote. Yeah, so you could play Super Mario Brothers and just give yourself 99 lives all the time or, you know, start immediately from World 8.4 or whatever. Like, Mm. you could just... There was all these different codes and um, it's funny, like, um, most of the the codes sort of uh, went, like, got... The book itself that had the codes in it went out of date because there was obviously new games coming out all the time. Mm. And so um, the people who built the game, Genie, Galoob, um, they developed new codes and, and they end up coming out with a paid subscription service where subscribers would receive new code booklets uh, quarterly um, and, you know, they used to run ads in all the gaming magazines and everything to try and get people in. And, uh, yeah, I tell you what, it was uh, a bloody great little <laughs> little thing, the old mm. uh, Game Genie. Although uh, the very first edition of the Game Genie, uh, the way that it was designed, put an incredible amount of stress on the connector at the back of the NES mm. and over time would, would gradually fuck the connector so badly that <laughs> you could not play a game without having the Game Genie inserted um, because it, all the pins would be completely bent and fucked out of shape. Um, so that was <laughs> that was a, a bit of a thing. But uh, uh, Nintendo actually took Game Genie to, to yeah. court over the uh, took Galoob to court over the game genie, uh, basically saying that they were uh, infringing copyright and things like that. Mm. And uh, Galoob won. Um, the the court went no, they're they're not actually infringing anything. They've just basically opened up a new way to play the existing games. Mm. And um, it's funny, Nintendo fought Galoob over the game genie, and yet Sega. Uh, wholly endorsed it and actually gave them the officially licensed Sega product um, sticker uh, that they could put on the Game Genie because there was a Game Genie version for the Mega Drive. Mm. There was a Game Genie version for the Super Nintendo that came out and there was a Game Genie uh, for the Game Boy as Mm. well. So you could get these uh, Game Genies for... Were they expensive? Lots of different platforms. They were cheaper than a regular game, Mm. I believe, from memory. Um, But... uh, uh, oh, I'll tell you what, it opened up whole new yeah. uh, areas of fun, especially on the original NES. There was certain games that were so incredibly difficult to beat mm. and the game, Jenny, just let you uh, give yourself a little bit of a leg up mm. so you could actually uh, feasibly attempt some of these things. Um, and, yeah, I mean, for me as a tiny little kid playing the original Super Mario and not being super good at it having infinite number of lives so that i could play it all the way to the end and not Mm. get game over was quite an appealing prospect nice um so sure beats the fucking hell out of calling the sega hotline that was a fucking you know 55 cents a minute call or whatever the fuck it was i was never allowed to Oh, uh, I think we were allowed to once. I think we maybe called them once. And those are some useless fuckwits, I swear. This is like a helpline to finish their games. Yeah, they- it's like, oh, hey, uh, how do I make Sonic not fucking die at oil fucking plant zone? Oh, well, yeah, like, what you got to do is just like jump and run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right, sick. <laughs> like, just fucking useless. Back in the days of Noah. 
Google. No. Mm. But, yeah, uh, just jump and run. You'll be right. Don't want to hear that up. Pretty much. Well, that's pretty much what it was like. But the game genie sounds like it would have been. Uh, and look, I, am I right in saying this? But maybe did the game genie prompt uh, Sega to then have the clip on cart that came as part of the Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles experience? Quite possibly. I mean, I don't know if it's ever been directly attributed to the Sonic and Knuckles game, but... uh, It's just interesting how you brought it up, that, you know, it feels like uh, there's maybe a bit of a correlation there, especially if they were to endorse the product and then maybe try and make use out of the technology. It sounds very interesting. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, well, by all means, uh, go and look that up. But uh, that does take us to the end of another Discerning Gamer podcast for this week. I'd like to thank the DG crew, starting with Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Thanks, JB. Always a pleasure, mate. Thank you. And Simon Steely McLaughlin. Oh, thanks, JB. Just, Just run to the left, mate, and run to the right and spin dash and you'll be right. Pass into the ass. Just jump a bit, mate. It doesn't, like, yeah, something like that. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> and last but not least, right. uh, Casey C. Mac, Pistol Pete, the pissed. The pissed. The pissed. McLaughlin. <laughs> Master P. Thanks. Master P, yeah. Thanks. That, that's it. One gunshot is all I need. I do yes. believe that was two, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You'll also oh, get a uh, couple of. <laughs> well, hey! There we go. <laughs> nice. You got the full suite of fucking wet Wild <laughs> West sound effects. You know, we're recording this in our stable. <laughs> That's right. And uh, if uh, you want to uh, share with us your experiences with the original NES destroying game genie. Uh, please drop us a line on the socials and let us know. Uh, be very keen to uh, hear from our listeners if, uh, if if you also had the Game Genie and used it to uh, unashamedly cheat at all the games that you <laughs> played as a young person. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Yeah, so like, what you want to do is, like, with Echo the Dolphin, just don't fucking play it because that game's a piece of shit anyway. Uh, have you played Sonic 2? <laughs> just, um, have you played Sonic 1? <laughs> have, you, um, have you played Streets of Rage? Have you played Radical Rex? That's a fucking game.